I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. everybody doing welcome back to another episode of the one it's all podcast as always i always like to start off by giving a sincere from the bottom of my heart thank you for tuning in and giving me any kind of time to invade your ear canals for any amount of time whether it's just for uh 10 seconds to an hour or however long it takes it's just greatly appreciated why I navigate my way through this podcast process. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely learning how to get better at this each and every week. And it's been a lot. It's, it's been a lot more fun than even I anticipated it to be when I first started and had the idea to actually start a podcast. I started off like when I started this podcast, I obviously first and foremost, I started to have fun. Because that's the way you should do do just about anything in life. It should be fun, especially if it's something like this on the side that you're trying to get good at. It should be fun to you. It shouldn't feel like a job. And I really, I take notes. I, I don't want it to feel too scripted or really scripted at all. The thing that intrigued me about starting a podcast was kind of, I, I it, it was important to me that it felt like, or that it has the feel of how I record it, which is kind of, I know what I'm going to talk about, but I don't want it to be scripted to the point where it sounds like I'm reading a script or it's something like when you call like a call center and you got rebuttals to everything and it's, you just, it just doesn't feel authentic and being authentic to me is very important, good, bad, or indifferent. And I hope it comes across that way because I really do try really hard to have it be on the fly. I mean, this is a fun podcast. At least I hope it is, or I hope it sounds that way. Cause it's a lot of fun doing it. And when I get guests on here more and, and we actually spread it out that way. And I have other voices. Cause I, at some point you're going to get sick of hearing me. I would imagine if not, I do love doing this. Um, but yeah, I, I really try I don't want it to feel to me like I didn't start this to feel like I was just like reading from a page and is that's just all you were getting. It's important to me that I it's just kind of organic. Like I know what I'm going to say, but I don't know what I'm going to say if that makes any sense. I have the general general topics and things that I want to talk about, but I never really know how it's going to go and that shit is exciting. I don't know if you've ever done anything like that and put it out to everybody, but there's a certain level of excitement and fear and it's just, it's a lot of different emotions I go through at once. And in life, I feel like that's very important. Like whenever you're doing anything different or challenging yourself or pushing yourself or doing anything out of your comfort zone, it's never just one emotion, right? It's never just fear. It's always like a little fear, a little bit of excitement. Um, when I, six years ago, I think it has been now. When I decided to up and move my life from St. Pete, Tampa, Florida to Nashville, Tennessee, I had no idea how it was going to go. I was taking a chance. I was really just trying to do something different with my life and just kind of, it, a lot of it, a lot of the excitement was being spontaneous about it. Not spontaneous like overnight, but I planned it out somewhat. And then I was like, I'm just going to move to Nashville and see what happens. And my buddy lived up here. So at least I knew somebody that was here. But that whole process of just getting up and moving didn't have a job when I first came up here, but I trusted the experience that I had that I could find a job, which I did. And just being that, that excitement, that fear, that anxiety, that everything comes when you move to a new city. 
I highly recommend you don't to anybody out there try living at least try moving to a different city once in your life if you've had if if you grew up in the same city and lived there your whole life I highly recommend getting a different perspective moving to Nashville I can honestly say for me personally has made me a better man it really has it's brought a lot to the to the forefront about what what's wrong with like things that I had to improve on as a person deep rooted issues that uh that I didn't really like about myself and how I responded to things and I've always prided myself on looking in the mirror right I there's there's nothing worse to me than when a person's like that's just the way I am I can never change ha <laughs> ha no I I've always respected those that can adapt those that admit their own faults and if you did something wrong and you acknowledge it own it to me integrity pride all that kind of stuff confidence compassion the whole nine all that still means something to me and to sit and have the, all those be exposed internally just sent me on a whirlwind when I moved to Nashville. I saw, like I was outside of my comfort zone to a T. Got I was I knew everything there was to know about Florida. Born and raised there, everything like that's all I knew. And that was mid thirties. And I, I get up here and. You know, everything just come comes to light. You start seeing shit you don't like about yourself. You you start wondering why you're feeling a certain way. Getting outside of your comfort zone, firsthand experience, it sucks, but it's it's exciting as hell. I love the feeling of being new to a city, having that mixture of emotions, the excitement of being new, all all the different and I still feel that still six years later. I still feel like I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm developing, and I'm going to be like that to the day that I die. I might get stuck in patterns. I might get stuck in ruts. I might get stuck in bad habits. But I tell you what, when I am called on it, when I catch on to it, I will always adapt. And I know that for sure now. And I take great, great pride in that. So like the move, I I mean, just do it. Like I just challenge you to, to challenge yourself pretty much. So yeah, when I started the podcast, I wanted to bring all that emotion into it. Like I wanted to find a way to say that verbally, articulately, I can't even speak. And just in a way that I hope people can relate to because it is it is true this is what's happened to me firsthand there's, there's no fabrication here there's no I can only tell you what I've learned from my firsthand experience and if I come across a different point of view or something that's different than my opinion I don't get mad like I'm like I never understood getting mad at somebody for having a different point of view so with the with the podcast, I want it to feel it, it's important to me that it is authentic. It's important to me that people that listen or join, they, they just are, are themselves good, bad, or indifferent. I just want authentic, funny shit. <laughs> it's got I, I, the humor part of it's got to be there. So I hope one, you guys find it funny Two, uh, it's authentic. It's never going to be scripted. I'm always just going to say random, wild stuff. Um, and I, I've, I pride myself on that. I pride myself on putting it out there, seeing what sticks, seeing what doesn't. I feel like that's missing in a lot in this world. Like I just, yeah. So hopefully everybody's enjoyed this so far. And thank you again for one, listen to me rant for, or go on there for a few minutes. Um, and if you want to start a podcast or do anything like that, I encourage you to just do, just to do it, even if you just record and just listen to yourself for a little bit. Do it. Do it. Scratch that itch. Yeah, that's the theme right now. Scratch that itch. If, if you sense it and do it, 
because regret is a motherfucker. At least it eats at me. It used to anyway. Regret used to really eat at me and I don't like living like that. I much rather put it all out there, fail, flop, succeed, and I can live with myself on that. What I can't live with is regret. I don't even try to acknowledge it anymore. What is that? Yeah, so I, as long as I put my best foot forward, I'm gonna, I can go out anytime and I'll be fine with it. I can live with myself because when, when you're putting your real self out there and you're just letting the, the chips fall where they may, I can live with that more than not doing something or not taking action or not trying something that I've always wanted to try. It's a lot more fun that way. I promise you. So I'll do that. Scratch that itch. Unless it's herpes, then get that medication. <laughs> Anywho. All right. So this is, again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everybody that's listened to me up until this point. And I hope you plan on continuing to listen to me. Um, get a lot of good feedback from everybody. Make sure you go follow on the on Instagram, one it's all. Go to oneitsall.buzzsprout.com. You can go to one it's all on Venmo. Every little bit helps. And donate to the cause. It's always appreciated. Um, we got a Patreon page coming soon. We'll have some merchandise, the whole nine. Like, subscribe, review, follow. Give me feedback. Give me emails that have funny stories, things that you like, things that we can discuss, things that we can go back and forth on. I've been stressing that from the very get-go. And hopefully... It's starting to catch because repeating myself all the damn time. People, come on. Who likes doing that shit? But I'll do it. I'll do it for the love of the art. For the love of the art. One, it's all. Instagram. Go subscribe. One, it's all. Dot buzzsprout. Dot com. Go to. It's on Venmo too. It just. If you're feeling froggy. If you're feeling frisky and you want to support the boy. One, it's all. So. What's happened since the last time we spoke? Let's see. So we're going to start off here. So this past week, and anybody familiar with the cause knew that from the opening clip of this episode, Tupac Shakur, I can probably safely say he was one of my, one of, or if not my main idol as a teenager growing up through my youth. I was as big as a Tupac fan as you can get. Ask anybody that grew up with me. They knew a Tupac segment was going to come up at some point. And, well, by golly, here we go. <laughs> so, on this past, June the 16th was Tupac's birthday. He would have been 50 years old. And I just have to think, what would it shit be like in the music nowadays and entertainment if, if he just, if he, if he was alive? Now, this might not be the most popular opinion, but as I gotten older and kind of studied him a little more, I just don't think he was meant to live that long. Just what he put out there, I really believe, I mean, he was just as authentic. He, I mean, a lot of, lot of controversy surrounded him, but in terms of influence, art, passion, creativity, he could do a song. If you've never heard the song, Brenda's got a baby, go, go listen to that song. He tells a, an entire story in one verse. Now you tell me who's doing that nowadays where it's not bullshit recording right to the hook talking about just bullshit. This guy is the most influential. He is the goat of influence in hip hop music in general. He's up there. I mean, this guy, and if if you're a young buck right now and you're not familiar with him, take the time to go do it. His music still holds to this day. He he was my idol growing up, and everything still holds. He was so ahead of his time. I'm about to play a, a clip from, and what's eerie about it is in this clip, he talks about turning 50. Now, he died at 25, and that's... Sh- it's crazy to me that it's been that long since he passed. I can still remember being in a restaurant when I got the news or when the news came through. And this is before cell phones. So you found everything out through word of mouth. 
And I mean, his, there were times where he was, there was only thing I listened to. I mean, he sold over 75 million records and that's just as a lot. I mean, I'm sure it's higher than that with downloads and everything, but it's unbelievable. And out of that, he's put out 11 albums. Seven of those came out after he passed. We'll talk more about that, but I really, I really want you to take the, I really want you to listen to that. This is one of the more powerful segments from any interview he's ever done. And I'm going to play it for you and just listen and ask yourself, what the hell, who else is, what are we getting like this nowadays? And I, I stress that because it needs to be acknowledged just how, how articulate and great and outspoken that he was. Now take the fandom out of it and all the other stuff and all the, all the gangster and all that stuff to shoot him, hit him ups. <laughs> great record, by the way, hard as hell out of the way. Just look at the person as a whole who who's doing this with a, with a purpose and a cause like this, especially in hip hop, because I'm not saying it's all trash or whatnot, but it's just not what it was when I was growing up. You don't get the, that grimy feel to it. I mean, he painted a movie in your head with his words in ways that I've never heard since the, the, the gutterness of it, the griminess of it, the, the rawness of it. I mean, he put it out there so much to a point where he got the attention of major people. I would, I mean, the government was after him. It was just crazy all because he, he spoke up. Take that as a lesson because nobody's doing that kind of shit nowadays that I can see. It's all Twitter stuff. And y'all think Tupac would add a Twitter? Tupac on Twitter. All right. So without further ado, just listen to this clip. And I mean, I if you're not inspired by this, I don't know what does it. But I, I've heard this clip 20 years ago, 25 plus years ago, and it still gets me to this day. I just want to share it with everybody. I, I hope everybody gets out of it what I got out of it. I know I'm sounding like a fanboy right now, but it, it's it's real. This it, this was my idol. This is this what he stood for. Everything. So I'm going to play the clip, and we'll talk. Here you go. So I don't fit in. That's hell. It's hell when you can't be around your peers. All my life I grew up around black people, poor people. But I can't live around poor people now because they'll rob me. And why would they rob me? Because they're starving. Because there's no money here. But they're telling me, now that I made a little money, I have to move here. So it's not like no one's ever trying to deal with this section. They're just moving away from it. And we're going to have more stars coming from together, but they're going to all move this way. You know what I'm saying? So it's like all, all the society is doing is leeching off the ghetto. They use the ghetto for their pain, for their sorrow, for their culture, for their music, for their happiness, for their movies, to talk about boys in the hood. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be another young. I don't want to be 50 years old at a BET We Shall Overcome um, Achievement Awards. You know what I'm saying? Uh-uh. Not me. You know, I want, when they see me, they know that every day when I'm breathing, it's, it's, it's for us to go farther. You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world. But I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. And that's our job is to spark somebody else watching us. We, we might not be the ones, but let's not be selfish. And because we're not going to change the world, let's not talk about how we should change it. I don't know how to change it. But I know if I keep talking about how dirty it is out here, somebody going to clean it up. All I got to say is facts. Now, if you don't listen to that and don't think that he was ahead of his time, especially considering that was 25 years ago, plus that was in 1994 when that interview took place. And if you are, I mean, how can you deny the greatness of that from that far back now? So his, his albums that he put out when he was alive, was it two apocalypse? Now he put that out back in 91. And it's strictly from, I can't. And then he put out Me Against the World classic album. And then All Eyes on Me. All Eyes on Me, I mean, I still bump that to this day. And then afterwards, he put out Machiavelli, which came out right after he died. 
He put, are you still down? Remember me? Tell me, are you still down? Until the end of time. Better days. Loyal to the game. And Pox Life. And he also did the Thug Life albums. And a classic album, in my opinion, was Still I Rise, What You Did With Outlaws. All you young heads out there, if you're not familiar with any of these, go listen to these albums. Go, go, And you can't tell me that he didn't influence anybody that you like nowadays. I'm not even trying to compare. I'm just saying it's different now. It's different now. And he was so far ahead of his time. It's crazy. I mean, that kind of stuff. Just the fact that in that interview, he mentioned 50, turning 50, and he turned 50 this past week. I had to put it in here. I had to adjust this on this podcast. I was like, this has to happen. I need to speak about it. And damn it, you got it on the One It's All podcast. And for those of you that didn't know, too, he did a couple movies. Poetic Justice was good. Juice was his initial one, which was classic. And he did other ones like Above the Rim, which was good. Um, but yeah, Poetic Justice, I was a fan of, too. That was a good one. Yeah, so, I mean, I remember after he died, when he went after, like nobody thought he was going to die. And it was like seven days after he got shot. His albums, you could not find them in the stores. And this is back when CDs, CDs were the thing. CDs. Dang, that's crazy to think about, especially nowadays. I can't remember the last time I've been to it. It's funny how time changes. I mean, <laughs> going in and getting your discs, getting the hookups, and they had the, the plastic tape around it. <laughs> You had to pop them off. They had sample albums that you can get. I mean, I remember walking in, I think it was called Specs or FYE. And they had all the albums on the wall, the the CDs. And now everything's just on your phone or your computer. I mean, I still remember cassettes. I wish I would have kept those right now, my cassette tapes. I think I had the R. Kelly 12 play aura. This is before the peeing and the rape. (laughs) I think what else I had at Jodeci that I can think of boys, the men for sure. Nas, Tupac. Um, I think spice one. That's a West coast artist for y'all knuckleheads out there. That don't know who I'm talking about. Um, yeah. So yeah, 50th birthday. And I just, the fact that, Oh, and by the way, cause it is, this is the one it's all podcast. Pac was five foot nine just in case you were wondering and he died back in 96 september 13th 1996 down illuminati yeah so he died and he was five nine sold over 75 million records um and i know a lot of people think about this nowadays i i don't think he would have been as heavily involved in and i know he would have been doing artistic stuff i think he would have been in the movies he would have been doing stuff like i think he would have been almost like on the lo cool j level what he's doing now because he was that talented maybe putting out music every now and then, but he would have been so heavily influenced. I have a hard time believing he would have still been as as aggressive. I mean, who is? Hey, I'm 50 years old. I mean, I'm 40 now, and 8.30 seems kind of late sometimes. <laughs> I imagine that lifestyle would have caught up to him, but yeah, so happy birthday, Tupac. I had to talk about you for a little bit, give some facts, some knowledge. Um, yeah, he was definitely an influence on me when I was growing up. I mean, had everybody throwing up the W's for West side, <laughs> no matter. I mean, it was just everywhere. And he, had, he is in terms of influence culturally and everything. He's the goat. He's the goat. He might not. And you could put other like MCs against them and say they were the best spitters. Biggie was up there when it comes to that. And they're always getting compared, but it's not Biggie's birthday. I do love Biggie though. But in terms of what he his influence, what he could do, storytelling. He's the goat. So 50th birthday this past week just makes me wonder what it would have been if he was alive. Wonder how many more. And it's crazy too. I I've seen that there's still more records to come. I mean, if that's not being ahead of your time, I don't know what is. I mean, so yeah, I'm sure this won't be the last time I talk about it, but I had to bring it up this week. So go listen to Tupac, go download his albums since you can't buy them in the stores. And yeah, you know, so thank you again. One, it's all at Instagram. One, it's all dot com. So this is episode number 13, y'all number 13. I can't believe I'm saying y'all now. 
Hey, Gwen. Number 13. What's the... I, for 13, obviously, what always comes up first is Dan Marino. He was... Him and John Elway were probably my two favorite quarterbacks growing up. I had um, the Dan Marino jersey growing up. And yeah. So yeah, number, number 13, your favorite athlete. Mine is definitely... Uh, Dan Marino. Dan Marino should die of gonorrhea and rot in hell. Would you like a cookie, son? <laughs> I can't hear that clip and not laugh. <laughs> Laces out. Einhorn is Finkel. Finkel is Einhorn. <laughs> Ace Ventura, baby. Yeah, so Dan Marino is probably my go-to number 13. But there's a there's a lot of famous athletes with that number 13 that I was, I was kind of surprised. Like, so the, the ones right off the top of my head were a rod was number 13, James Harden, number 13, Roberto Clemente, number 13. Um, but the other one that kind of rivals, in my opinion, Dan Marino is a Wilt the stilt, a Wilt Chamberlain, number 13 retired by three different teams and the Harlem Globetrotters. And he was a 13 time all-star. So there you go. Wilt Chamberlain is another number 13. On a, on another side. Oh, and another thing too, real quick. Um, before we go into anything else, one more Tupac fact. I forgot to say this shit. My bad, y'all. Um, but I'm gonna flip back on this one more. A little pop quiz for you. Do you know what? So that wasn't his born name. <laughs> Tupac Shakur's real born name. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? You're gonna hear it here on the One It's All podcast. If you didn't know it offhand, he was born. June 16th, 1971. As Lashane Paris Cooks. First name's L-E-S-A-N-E. Lashane, Lashane, Paris Cooks. Paris Cooks. That was Tupac's birth name. FYI, I know. Stop talking about Tupac, we get it. I'm just letting you know that I overlooked that in my stage notes. So there you go. So Tupac's real name, Lashane Paris Cooks. Tupac Shakur, definitely better for the hip-hop industry. All right, so back to the number 13s. Number 13 is, there's a lot of weird facts about the number 13, which I'm about to break down for you, and then I'm going to give you the tall fact of the day. Hold on. All right, so we're going to go break down a couple random things about the number 13, talk about it, have some fun with it. Um, since is this is episode number lucky 13, it does feel pretty lucky right now. All right. So number one on the list that I'm going to start over where there, there was a lot of frightening figures throughout history that had 13 letters in their names as weird as that may be. And when I give you the names of these people, you can see why they're on the damn list. And if this doesn't make you skeptical about the number 13, I'm going to make your nightmares that much more real. So, all right. So some of the more creepy people that their names actually had 13 letters. We're going to, I mean, you st- Adolf Hitler. So Adolf Hitler was his real name. That is 13 letters. Charles Manson. What a short little fuck stick that was. Jeffrey Dahmer, the crazy cannibal. And then old Theodore Ted, crazy as fuck Bundy. And Jack the Ripper, that has 13 letters. So there you go. I dare you to name crazier people than that. <laughs> so yeah, 13, it's a real thing when it comes to these dumbass people's names. So how these people thrived in their time and did the things that they were going to do, let's not let that happen again. Now, I'm going to butcher this next fact. So there's actually a legit phobia of the number th- I'm the number 13. Did you know this? All right, so I'm going to attempt to say it. Um it's called triskaidophobia. Triskaid triskaidophobia is the the phobia of the number 13. Some people aren't just leery of the number 13, they're downright terrified of it. Those who fear the number suffer from what is known as triskaidophobia. So if you're suffering from that out there, this is not the episode for you. Turn this shit off. 
because you're I'm about to send you into some kind of seizure or something or some kind of fear. You know, I don't want you. To, you know, I'm not Michael Myers running at you at the end of a movie. No, this is just, you know, but talk about, uh, I mean, there's crazy phobias out there. Being scared of the number 13 is, that's not a good one. It says millions of individuals are at the mercy of this scream aversion, including Stephen King. So Stephen King admitted to stepping over the 13th stair, feeling uncomfortable watching channel 13 and refusing to pause on page 13, even on pages with digits to add up to 13, like page number 94. He feels that it's safer. Shit. I mean, I thought I was dealing with something, but you know, Franklin D. Roosevelt did not like dining in groups of 13 or more. Weird, right? So, I mean, what? I mean, that's it. And then just to be clear, statistically, statistically speaking, you're not more likely to experience bad luck on a Friday the 13th. I think that goes without saying, but I have to put that out there. There's no static statistics that show that. That's it's all in your head. Um And the the thing this one drives me nuts. And I've seen this before too where many buildings call their 13th floors by other designations. If it's the 13th floor, it's the 13th floor. That's the card you were dealt with. You know? That's the number 13 that you were dealt with. I've seen it where they jump a number or they'll do like 14A or 12B or something like that. Knock it off. I'll say it like people that drive in their cars by themselves with a mask on. Just stop it. Knock it off. And it's the 13th floor. It's not going to kill you. Chill out. You're, besides, you're way... I mean, if you once you get up that high anyway, the elevator falls, you're done. So... There was actually a, a London hospital that got rid of beds with the number 13 as well. I don't understand this world. It just gets weirder and weirder. Let's see what else we got. So this one's pretty cool. So the United States of America, almost, almost, we almost ended up with the 13th calendar month, y'all. The intentionality accepted calendar may be split into 12 months, but things were almost very different. If the world followed the international fixed calendar, we'd have 13 months. And this alternative system, each month includes the same exact number of days, which is 28, instead of 30 or 31 like we have now. This calendar was created by Moses Cotsworth, a Northeastern Railway advisor who who was annoyed by the way months with different numbers affected his paychecks. Hey, can't fuck with that paycheck, man. Mess with my money, you mess with my time. And he literally was trying to change the calendars. This is a stupid one. Taylor Swift is a big fan of number 13. Put that on the list of who gives a shit. Um, Let's see if there's any other cool ones on here. There's no simple explanation for why the number 13 is considered unlucky. So just so y'all know, there's really nothing behind it. It's just a... There's nothing that brings it up. So it looks like it's just a more of a fun thing than anything. But yeah. So old Dan Marino. Dan Marino should die of gonorrhea and rot in hell. Would you like a cookie, son? He'll probably... <laughs> I can't stop laughing. He'll always be my favorite number 13. Who's your favorite number 13? Hit me up. You know where to hit me up. I'd say it on every episode. One, it's all. Instagram. Go look it up. Go follow, go message. Yeah. So now I told you after that, we're going to give the tall fact that I give on every episode here. So the tall fact for this one, since this is a a Tupac heavy episode right now, we're going to, I'm going to give you first, I'm going to ask you the question, who is the tallest hip hop rapper? However you guys want to call it rapper of all time go ahead i'll wait you'll be surprised all right so the tallest rapper (laughs) it's a very familiar name not a trick question but a very very familiar name he'll put you he'll put you he'll put his nuts on your forehead he'll put your nuts on your forehead and you'll probably thank him for it (laughs) He'll put your nuts on your forehead. Okay. All right. So the tallest 
rapper for this segment of the One It's All Fact of the Week is none other than the Shaq Diesel, Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> yes, Shaq is a rapper. Seven foot one, nuts on your forehead, and you'll thank him. Now, I am not embarrassed to say that I, I think it was his first album. We'll go over that in a second. But if I'm not mistaken, his first album was called Old Shaq Diesel. And I had that album. I think I got it for Christmas one year. Don't ask me if I, I can't remember if I asked for it or it was a safe play because Shaq was, Shaq was such a likable figure. But Shaq ended up putting out four studio albums. Yep, four studio albums. And I'm about to give you the name of each and every one of them and how many records they sold as of right now. One went platinum, one went gold. I shit you not. Old Shaq Diesel. Now, you got to understand how I probably ended up with the album. I'm a huge Orlando Magic fan. And Shaq was to Magic, to the Magic, what Jordan is to the Bulls, minus in championships. And in, in, in terms of dominance, popularity, he's still popular now. I mean, he's my favorite person. Him and, and Charles Barkley, holy shit. I could listen to them all day. I'm going to talk about Charles Barkley here in a second, too. Love me some Chuck. So, I'm going to give you the name of all four albums. And they even released, Shaq even had a best of album. I'm not kidding, y'all. Okay. So, Shaq's first album came out in 1993. I was 13 years old. Shaq Diesel, baby, went certified platinum. Certified platinum is first time. He came out out of the gate ready and raw. Shaq, baby, nuts on your forehead. Thank you for it. And then, I mean, how can you make this shit up? Shaq Food or Return. He followed that up in 94 with Shaq Food or Return. That went gold. Little downgrade, but you know, still a little sophomore slump for you. And then, he waited two years this time. He's like, ah, I'm going to sit back, practice my free throws, and then I'm going to come out with an album called You Can't Stop the Rain. Although he could stop the platinum and gold stale status because this one only showed 207,000. He released that in 96. So he's already ta- he's already tanking just like his free throw percentage. Love you, Shaq. I'm just kidding. Not really, though. And then he was like, okay, two more years later. All right. I got to go back out there. I got to give another album, y'all. I got to give it. This is what the people want. Got to give it. I just had three free throws in a row. I'm getting the respect. Out. Oh, that's what I'm going to name my album. And it's on 1998. Comes out with respect. Sold 104,000. Respectfully speaking, Shaq, that should be your last album. <laughs> but no. But no. He released in this format in 2006 a compilation where it's called Shoot Pass Slam. Wasn't his personal album, but he's still he's still mixing it up. I think him and Kobe had like battle records back and forth back then. R.I.P. Kobe. And so, yeah, if you thought I was bullshit and looked this up, Shaq definitely released four studio albums. I own one. I highly recommend you go download anything Shaq Diesel put out. Let's get some You Can't Stop the Rain in respect. Let's get him a couple extra downloads. You know, Shaq deserves it. Shaq deserves it. So there's your tall fact of the day. Seven foot one. I guarantee you if you ask anybody that question, who do you think the tallest hip-hop artist is? They're not going to say Shaq. So there you go. The tall fact of the week. Four albums, baby. That's... Not even enough, uh, more than the teams he played for, right? Do y'all remember how many teams Shaq ended up playing for before he retired? It's six. He went from the Magic to the Los Angeles Lakers to the Miami Heat to the Phoenix Suns to the Cleveland Cavaliers where he tried to jump on LeBron's nuts and then he tried to do it one year with the Celtics. Yeah. So if y'all weren't remembering that, Shaq did play for a, a, a few squads at the end. He had a, he was pretty nasty with Phoenix at the very end, but I feel like that was the end. He got his last few years in with Dwayne Wade down in Miami. But nothing like Shaq Diesel and his record sales. Platinum, gold. You know, sometimes maybe he'll do a, uh, a Lifetime Achievement album come out. 
heal the world one one nutsack to your forehead at a time. <laughs> you imagine getting pulled over by Shaq? Because you know he's in law enforcement, right? Would you run or would you just let him have your way and then ask for his autograph later? Now, his running mate, one of my favorite people, Charles Barkley was in the news this week again for saying some shit that I couldn't agree with more. And I'm going to read you the quote. And you've probably heard this on all over the news, but I'm going to big him up because Charles Barkley's always been one of my favorite players ever since back in the day with the Sixers, Phoenix, the Dream Team, the whole nine. And his broadcastings, he always says the most honest things. Even if you don't agree with it, which is okay, damn it, if you don't agree, it doesn't mean he needs to be shut off just because somebody disagrees with you. Y'all realize one of the greatest things about living in this country is we can say whatever we want. We have our own opinion, freedom of speech, right? I'm just saying in case you forgot. So when terms of canceling, getting canceled and whatever, he's very, he's very self-aware. He's very self-aware. All right. So his quote was, I'm trying to hang on for another couple of years until I'm 60 and they, and they can, and then they can kiss my ass. I'm only working (laughs) until I'm 60. Barkley told WJFK 106, the fan in Washington. I've already told him that I'm not working until the day I die. That's just stupid. And if I don't have enough money by now, I'm an idiot anyway. They should fire me anyway. I love that because he's cracking a joke, obviously, and I know that. And then he it says, Barkley says that he blames the current cancel culture where past behavior or comments can land you in hot water. Now, this next part is what I agree with because I'm one of those, like, have you ever, offensive comedy to me, if, if when it's done the right way and it's not just a straight jab, is the funniest shit in the world. It's like, oh, you ever have somebody, damn, I can't believe you said that. It's just a joke. I'm always going to think that way. And here's what he says. If you crack a joke the wrong way, they're like, oh, no, 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 no. You crossed the line, Barkley said. I mean, they won't even let me talk about San Antonio anymore when I'm talking about their big old women, their big old women down in San Antonio. Facts, look it up. It's funny. They're like, Charles, we've got one lady who wrote an article. I'm like, first of all, I didn't call anybody personally fat in San Antonio. I was just joking around. Apparently a lady, he was joking around about the size of the women in San Antonio, which you could say that just about any city, but it's just a joke. Everybody, a lady got offended, wrote an article. So you got to talk to about it. Now, I, if something is racist or something along those lines, right, and it's insensitive or, but if it's cl- that's unacceptable, but if it's clearly a joke in a joking way where everybody's shooting the shit and, don't throw stones from a glass house that you can't joke around anymore. Everybody acts like they're so damn perfect. You mean it's how you don't think you've ever said anything that's offended. I'm just saying lighten up, stop being so damn sensitive. Not everything's offense worthy. Just if somebody disagrees with you, I've said in the past episodes, just turn it off, laugh it off. And if it's clearly a joke, who the fuck cares? Get, <laughs> It's just, it, it's crazy to me. And Charles Barkley is one of those where he's always been that way, even if he were younger. Um, And then he said his, his bosses at Turner Sports have talked to him frequently about j- taking jokes too far. He's like, that's all we ever talk about behind the scenes. Like, yo, man, be careful going in that direction. I'm like, yo, man, we can't even have fun anymore. You have to be able to joke around. That's what, that's where laughter and comedy comes from is truth. You ever heard some of the best jokes are are jokes because they're true or there's there's that certain level of honesty to them. So I'm shouting out Charles Barkley. If you ever watch him and Shaq on uh, inside the NBA, it's 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 hilarious. Him and Kenny Smith and Ernie, Ernie, Ernie. That's terrible. Yeah. So big shout out Charles Barkley at the very least speaking what you feel is the right way. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. Left, right, up, down, sideways, the whole thing. You're entitled to think what you want to think. I don't care. Have at it. Let's talk about it. Let's see everybody's perspectives. It's a lot of fun that way. But joking, can't everybody disagree? That's fun to laugh. (laughs) There's all sorts of different uh, ways to joke around and have humor about things. Let's just have fun with it, man. There's too much damn serious going on. Anywho. All right. So that's my piece about that. Shaq. Tallest rapper, Charles Barkley. Oh, sorry, dropping pin, y'all. There we go. All right, so I want to give a special shout out today 
to um, Jessica down in St. Petersburg, Florida. Now, I'm going to read her email, which I got her approval for. And before we break this down, um, I want to just say, if you have anything fun to talk about or anything, I'm going to stress again, message me. You'll get a shout out on the podcast. We can talk. And if you're ever interested in being a guest on this podcast, please let me know. So I'm going to start off by reading it and then we'll go from there. We'll have some fun with it because that's what it's all about. All right. So Jessica, hi there. I just started listening to the podcast and I love it. Thank you. couple of things. First, you were talking about questions people ask when you're tall. I got asked the same question so many times by so many people because I literally made business cards with information about my height on it, which she did. This girl sent me a screenshot for a bit of her business cards and everybody, I mean, (laughs) I got to get mine ordered because that's really the way it is. And like you give it to so many people. I'm not, no, there's, this isn't a self-righteous thing. And then she goes, second, you were talking about leg room. I was on an eight to nine hour flight to the Czech Republic and the lady in front of me made eye contact and I sat in the chair behind her. So she knew I was a giraffe woman. I hear you on that. And she proceeded to crush my kneecaps with her seat down the second I sat down. And she left her seat like that the entire nine hour flight. Holy shit, Jessica, that, that is the worst. Now, Jessica's six foot one, right? So on her business card, <laughs> it, it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. So if you don't mind, Jessica, I'm gonna give a little I'm gonna give a little breakdown of what you put on your business card to give some people ideas in my head that it says, Hi, I'm tall and you noticed. All under under underlined. Here are some facts about my height. Six foot one tall. Played volleyball. Very bad at basketball. Yes, I probably can reach that for you. Modeled for a hot sec, but not anymore. Weather is lovely up here, little low on H2O though. Or little low on O2 though. That is hilarious shit, Jessica. And first off, thank you for taking the time to shoot a message to me. I really appreciate it. And I can relate to you hardcore. I'm going to give you a little story here. And people on airplanes need to take more responsibility for their damn actions. Um, If you see an abnormally tall person, just know we're not trying to take a seat from you. We're not trying to inconvenience your day we need this shit especially if you fly southwest or anything there's a limited amount of spots for the people that are vertically challenged to get now respect the fact that there's really tall people we could use the the exit row where the emergency doors are when i'm walking down and i see a five footer go for that seat like he needs it man I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm really not. I'm just saying you need to pay attention because I need that chair. All right, so I could vent about this all day, and I know you guys are going to say, oh, well, it's not our fault. It's open sea. Who gives a shit? I'm just telling you, it would be very nice if we got acknowledged because I don't, like Jessica said, the kneecap things. If you see us, I, we're not trying to inconvenience you. We can't help it. We can't put those legs anywhere. We have to do something with it. So I had a flight two years ago to, for a bachelor party and it was it was to we were flying I was flying to Vancouver so I flew from Nashville to Seattle which is about a four to five hour flight all right so I'm walking back to my seat I, th- I believe it was I want to say I was flying with Delta no um I don't think it was Southwest anyway so I go back and I I go sit I my sign it wasn't a sign C, so I think it was Delta. So I go, it was my I picked the the row, the row right? Because I didn't want to be crammed against the window because it's a lot harder that way. I didn't realize what was about to happen. I sit in my seat. So it's three rows. Or it's three seats in my row. So it's me in the aisle. The middle seat's empty as of right now. And then there's a big dude in the window seat, which is fine. He was cool. We ch- we chopped it up for a minute. In front of me was a mom and dad with two wild ass kids wild from the very get-go so wild in a way where the the seat in front of me the kid kept bouncing around and leaning back and doing he didn't need to do all this and it kept hitting my knees 
right? Add that, and then literally within moments later, whoever had the middle seat next to me, not to his fault, another big-ass dude. I had a whole offensive line to my fucking right, so I can't move to my right. Cool dudes, by the way, big shout-out. Couldn't move. I'm six foot eight in his little... In front of me. And then the people that sit behind me was another fucking kid. <laughs> and this kid was one of... You, you ever have somebody sit behind you that keeps hitting the back of your seat? So I'm getting it from the front with the leaning back. I got the offensive line watching my blind side where I can't move to the right. I got this kid behind me kicking my seat. And then this is a true story. I am not making any of this up. I wish I was. And then... About 20 more, once the flight gets underway, trying to come to peace with everything, I realize because I'm so in the way, I'm in the aisle. So I'm getting hit by people coming into the aisle. It's like, it's like a hurricane tunnel going up the aisle. I'm getting hit by the the staff, the people going to the bathroom, they're doing everything. So I'm getting what I call compassed, north, south, east, west. I'm getting compassed from every direction, getting hit. And this is a four and a half hour flight. Couldn't even move. Couldn't even do anything. I'm sweating. So yeah, Jessica, I relate. I relate. Let alone if I had to get up and go to the bathroom, having to bend over on these little ass airplanes. And if there's any bumps and turbulence or anything, there's piss on the pants. It's not my fault. It just happens. You know, because it's hard to it's hard to stay focused on the steady stream of that. So yeah, have you ever been compassed before? North, south, east, west. It doesn't always happen that way. Normally, it's like it leans a little east or a little northwest. Like something happens in the front or the back. But to have somebody kick on my seat, offensive line to the right, in the front, the two, the parents that couldn't keep their fucking, they couldn't keep their kids in order. Like, don't let them jump around. And they clearly saw my knees there because they couldn't push back and they looked. And I'm just like, what do you want me to do? What drives me crazy is the lack of empathy. They almost look at me like I'm inconveniencing their day. And all I got to say is, stop it. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Because what I'm thinking in my head is way worse than the judgment you're looking at me. Have some compassion for the tall folk. This is a public service announcement to all of y'all that see tall people on airplanes. Unless it's first class and it's wide open space, we're, we're fine. Just like our, When you see us on a plane, show a little, show a little, show a little compassion. You're always talking, preaching. You're always talking positive, and everybody needs the help. We are one world. Help the tall on the airplane, damn it. Life is hard enough as it is, and I'm the first one to help with anybody, and I didn't get mad. I just focused on it, put my headphones in, and just imagine backhanding them all on the way out. <laughs> That's the only way we can do it. You got to compartmentalize. You got to focus on what you can focus on. Be like, I can't do this, you know? But yeah, have some passion. Jessica, that lady in front of you, yeah, she's the worst. All the people that compassed me, other than the ones that were in the aisle, because it's not their fault. I was forced into that area. Front and ba- the guy, the offensive line was cool as fuck, so it's not them. It's the, it's the kids, man. It's the kids. I love the kids. But when it comes to flying, I will leave you behind. <laughs> Anybody got any, if you got any funny stories from flying or anything like that, I know it's hard to fit in airplanes, and then the eyes you get from people walking on, like when you're when you're walking down to find your seat everybody's it's kind of like uh, I don't know if you ever felt this way before stadium seating was a lot worse or it's like this when I go to a sporting event right I'm the person that you see coming down the aisle and you're like oh shit don't sit in front of me this guy oh 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 I damn it and then I'm, my back of my head is in front of you and then I can feel your disdain for me it's not a fun feeling I can't help it if I've ever stood out of you in front of a concert, I can't help it. I apologize. <laughs> it's not my fault. It's just the way it was. Or it's just the way it is. I'm not doing it on purpose to ruin your day. Just help us out, man. Show some compassion. We mean well. We can help you out in a lot of situations. So, now that that vent's out of the way, funny stories, send them. Jessica, if you got any more, send them in to me. Thank you again, Jessica down in St. Pete, for shooting me the message and chopping it up with me and everything. Thank you for it. Thank you more importantly for listening to the podcast. That's what I do it for. I do it to relate, get the voice out there, have some fun with it. Um, so I got, we're going to, we're going to finish up here, take these last few minutes to talk about, I want to put myself out there even more. 
So I have a lot of life decisions that I've been made that I've been in the process of putting together. And I feel like this is since lucky number 13 episode, what could go wrong? So I got some big changes coming up, some kind of career crossroads that I'm working towards kind of some big decisions to take some different life leaps that I've ever done in the past. And I'm going to share them week to week, multiple times a week, possibly, and take you along the ride with me. And we're going to see what happens here. I'm going to intertwine the podcast with what I'm doing with my life, making a lot of changes. And I'm very, I might be forcing this one because I am out of getting out of the comfort zone a lot. And there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of optimism. There's a lot of I'm being pessimistic and optimistic all at the same time. I'm trying to find that balance and that rhythm, but I know a lot of the stuff that I have on my, on my mind and a lot of stuff in my plan that it sometimes in life, you got to do things that feel right rather than what you just got to do it. You got to stretch yourself. You got to push yourself. You got to see what happens. You got to take chances. And I'm at a point now where, it's time for that again. So stay tuned for that because regardless of what happens, I will share it ups and downs, smiles and frowns. If it, if it happens bad, I'll share it. If it goes well, I'll share it. I'm not gloating. I'm just sharing. I I just, I want to put myself out there for anybody that's struggling to find their path in that way. And you know, it, it can be scary. And this podcast for me personally has given me a way to kind of speak what I'm thinking. And it it's healthy for me. It works for me. I like it. Deal with it. You don't, I'm just kidding. Listen, please. And I coincidentally, my life's moving in a direction now where there's a lot of opportunities. There's a lot of different areas that I'm looking to dive into that I wouldn't have thought of years ago. And in life, that's progression. And in life, you have to do things like that. You don't want to, I don't want to feel stagnant. Some people find safety in that, which is fine to each their own. I don't knock when anybody does. Just don't knock me. I'm trying. I'm going to put myself out there and share it with everybody. And if, if I can relate to anybody or anybody can, even if it's just one person, I don't care. I, if one person can kind of feel me on this, and be like, damn, I get it. And I I help in any way. That's all I need. I'm just speaking where I'm coming from. I'm going to put it out there. Hope it resonates because that's my next challenge. And whether it's the right challenge, we're going to find out. We're going to go through the process. By all means, I hope it succeeds. Who doesn't? But I'm learning to get better at speaking what's really on my mind, what I'm feeling with complete respect and opt- and acknowledgement of people listening. And I, I want everything to be authentic, true, not, not forced, not fake. The fake shit really bothers me. And if we can learn something from this, if I, I just, I'm trying to learn from, I am putting myself out there to learn to see if it'll pass off to anybody else. I'm scared. I'm excited. I'm optimistic and pessimistic. <laughs> I'm working through these feelings right now. And I'm telling, I'm doing it. Cause I'm also, cause I'm just want everybody to know it's not that sc- It's not as bad as you might think in your head. I spent many years wishing or thinking about it and being scared. And I just didn't do it. And now I'm acting on it. I've been acting on it but I'm continuing the push where I wouldn't go before. And I challenge you to do the same thing. It's not going to be the end of the world. If it doesn't work, nothing that you do. There's plenty of stories and there's plenty of examples out there of people going for it, completely failing. Even the most successful people that, you know, failed. I know it looks like they completely crushing it now, but I promise you, if you dig deep into their stories, because I have, there's way more failures. There's way more, disappointing moments. There's way more slaps in the face. There's way more kicks in the ass. There's way more of that. 
that made them into that point. Unless you're a trust fund baby, then this isn't for you. So challenge yourself. I, that's going to be something we're going to start working on. I'm, this is something that's going to be coming very soon. There's a ton of exciting things on it. And like I've said before, and I'll say again, if you want to be on this podcast, let me know. Um, if you have ideas or things you want to talk about, things you want to address, you want to shoot the shit, just have a good time, talk, joke, you know, hit me up. Want it tall. Instagram. Scratch that itch, people. Scratch that itch. Go for it. What's the worst that can happen? Seriously. Knock on wood. All right. So thank you again for giving me your time today. I told you we had a loaded episode today. I had a lot I wanted to talk about. I got a lot more for next week too, or the next episode, whenever I decide to put this out. Um, I'm going to try to keep this coming out weekly, every so every maybe multiple weeks. Who knows? I like to keep y'all guessing. And don't forget to like, subscribe, download. And I'll say it one more time. Scratch that itch. Go for it, people. And I'll see you next time. Love y'all. See ya. Peace.